Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Fit podcast, where it's my job to help you apply knowledge that is both scientific and practical into your own life to maximize your physique development and your overall body, as well as your mind. The combination of these two things is what makes you Beyond Fit. Hello, and welcome back to the Beyond Fit podcast. This is your host, Jake Parker. And today, my solo episode is titled, How to Work Out Smarter, Get Big and Save Time. So I'm going to go over two principles for each of these things, getting bigger, more muscular, and saving time in the gym. Two things that I think pretty much all of us would be happy to welcome into our plans. So the first thing, as far as getting big, getting strong and muscular, and I definitely would include in here the disclaimer that it's not about just getting big. Uh, For example, when I was younger, all those years that I was uh, falling victim to the common fallacies when it came to bodybuilding, I only looked at the number on the scale. And if the number was going was going up on the scale when I was bulking or trying to put on muscle, that was a good thing to me. But I think what I wish I would have realized is that muscle gain, unless you are really a pretty true beginner or maybe the start of your intermediate uh, in as far as how long you've been training or what muscle gains you've made, uh, the muscle gain process is pretty slow. So expecting that to be about one to two pounds per month for men or a little bit less for women after your first real, say, year period of solid training where you are implementing progressive overload and you are focused on eating in a calorie surplus and all that sort of stuff like we talk about. And if you've been training for, like me, three, four years or more, the gains, the muscle gains per month may be closer to a quarter to half a pound. And so keeping that in mind, you don't want your weight to shoot up too quickly unless you are someone who really just has a outstanding capacity genetically for gaining muscle. Or if you, like I said, are in your first couple years or or less of training. And when I say proper training, this is another important thing to note where if you've kind of just been doing whatever and don't, didn't really in the past understand progressive overload and didn't understand the importance of compound weightlifting and that sort of thing. Like I'm always talking about, I've said the two most important things for your weightlifting are going to be doing compound movements that require the use of multiple muscle groups at one time to really get bigger and stronger and using progressive overload where in some capacity, you're getting better, more weight, more reps, whatever that is. Once you've really been focused on a proper program for a year or two, that's when you'll start to see diminishing returns. But if you can go from an improper program where maybe you're just focused on only the pump or you really don't understand the exercise anatomy or the correct form and stuff like that, or you've been inconsistent, then even if you've trained for a number of years, you might not have any, you might not have accumulated a full year of proper weightlifting under your belt. So that's something to keep in mind, but I will use the terms Uh, get big and make gains and terms like that, just because, you know, that's how I've always talked about it. I'm still kind of a weightlifting bro in some respects at heart. Um, But when I talk like that and say things like that, I am prefacing it with knowing what you're doing and doing it in an appropriate manner and not just aiming for 
uh, blind going up as far as weight on the scale or just what you might feel is, is gains, but really tracking, are you lifting more weight in the weight room? Are you accumulating more volume? Are you getting your workouts done faster? Do you uh, say like, are your, your clothes tighter? Are you measuring seeing that your muscles are growing? Are you uh, able to take a DEXA scan or something like that? Something objective that tells you, yes, you're, you're growing and you're gaining and you are gaining muscle and strength. I often talk about the fact that you really don't need to pay that much attention to how much muscle you're growing or the rate at which you're growing muscle. If you're just focused on solely picking a few lifts and getting stronger at those, because you cannot divorce strength gain from muscle gain for the most part, unless you're talking about really specific instances for sport or competition or something like that, uh, where someone might want to get stronger, but stay in a certain weight class or something for the general population, for people like us, you, you really can't divorce strength from muscle gain. And so if you're picking a few lifts, and focusing on getting stronger at those lifts, this is what I do, this is what I do for clients, then you can ensure that you're gaining muscle. And so that coupled with just making sure you're not going up in weight too fast, because that is going to result in excess body fat. You can't help but gain a little bit of body fat when you gain weight and gain muscle, but you can help from gaining a lot by keeping your calorie surplus to about two or 300 calories or so over what you would be burning otherwise. Um, but that all being said, the thing I wanted to talk about today, the first thing is how I look at and track my own progressive overload and how I do so for clients. So like I said, with progressive overload, you can track weight, you can track reps. Those are by far the easiest and the most tangible things to measure. Other ways to progressively overload is to change the tempos, get better at form, get more of a range of motion, or decrease rest time either in between sets or if you just say take an hour usually to get all your volume in for this one workout and then it takes 50 minutes or 55 minutes well then you've decreased time there too and total rest throughout the workout so those last four those former four or excuse me latter four uh, methods of progressive overload being tempo range of motion form and rest we're not going to talk about today we're going to talk about how to use weight and reps to induce progressive overload. And there's two methods that I talk about with my clients. And these are by far the most effective methods that I've ever come in contact with as far as what can be directly applied to pretty much anyone who has a, I mean, even beginner's understanding of how tracking weights goes and how, you know, the mechanisms, I suppose, of weightlifting. And even if you don't, you can probably pick this up pretty quick. Um, and so the first one would be double progression and double progression is adjusting exactly those two variables that we already talked about weight and reps. And so that's why it's double progression. So for this example, you would take one weight and I'm going to make easy examples here. And this is from a post. I actually have a picture that I have in my client handbook that I'll post soon on my Instagram page. So if you're curious for that, either check that or if you really are not an Instagram person or whatever, listen to the podcast, just email me. My email's in a lot of these shows. But anyway, the double progression would go, so use 100 pounds. And basically the first set, and this is what's different about my training program and my training emphasis than a lot of things that people have tried or done in the past. But I think it's most in line with the evidence that I've come in contact with and the people that I've studied is doing the most reps on your first set, which means you're fully warmed up by the time you get in your first set. And then you give your all out effort. And once you do that, you're probably not going to be able to lift as many reps 
for the second and third set. So the example would be like 100 pounds for 10 reps and then nine reps and then nine reps. So again, you wanna be focused on taking this to about a one or two reps in reserve. And so really bringing the intensity. But if you're doing that, that first set going all out is probably gonna be your top capacity. And then more than likely, not always, but more than likely, the next two sets are, are going to result in you losing a rep or two. So basically the next week would be something like, say you have hundred pounds and you lift that 12 times and then you lift it 11 and 11 for the second and third set. So that would mean that you've improved a little bit, um, but in this example, it is an example of someone in the eight to 12 rep range. So with double progression, you take one weight and you wait until all three of your sets hit the top of the rep range. So once all three sets hit 12 reps, then you move on to the next weight. So 110 pounds. So say this person the next week, the third week here, lifts 100 pounds for 12 on the first set. And then the next two sets, he or she gets 12 reps again with that 100 pounds. Then the next week, you would move on to 110 pounds and say maybe they get 10 reps and then 10 reps and then nine reps for the first, second, and third set. But the point is the double progression is reps first and foremost within a given uh, weight. So the goal is 100 pounds times eight to 12. And once you hit the top of that rep range, once you get 100 pounds for 12 reps, three different times on all three sets, then you move up to the next weight, which is five pounds more on each side if you're talking about a bar, which would be 110 pounds. And the thing with double progression is you only have two different variables that you can advance and that you can change. And so this is really useful for beginners, but what someone who becomes intermediate or advanced is probably going to find more benefit in using is dynamic double progression. And the way that dynamic double progression is different is that you don't have to keep the same weights on every single set. So for example, maybe this person starts out with 100 pounds times eight, and then they move down to 95 pounds to stay in that given rep range. Because if you hit 100 pounds for eight, it's again, less likely that you're going to hit 100 pounds for eight on that second set. So moving down a little bit in weight to stay in the given rep range. So say this person goes 100 pounds for eight, 95 pounds for nine, and 95 pounds for eight. And I know that this moved from I said there's 10 pound increments on the double progression and here it's five pound increments and that's not necessarily a hard and fast rule, but someone who is being more um, specific, scientific, calculated, just someone who's more advanced in their training, obviously at this point, if they're doing dynamic double progression is someone who may find it easier to switch among, uh, you know, smaller differences in weight and maybe because they've made so many gains so far that it is harder to just make 10 pound jumps and since the gains are slower they do have to go in five pound increments and stuff like that so like i said the biggest difference with that dynamic double progression is you get to switch the weight within the sets so you don't have to hit the upper range of your reps across the weight three times in order to switch the weight. So say that someone hits like a hundred pounds for 11 and then they feel pretty strong that day. So they go up, go up to 105 pounds and then do that for nine. Well, then they're still getting a good stimulus. And even though they moved up in weight, they're still staying within that given rep range. So this is where it's useful too. I often uh, encourage clients or myself personally 
I will do something like a one rep max calculator, which you can find pretty much anywhere online or like there's an app that I use and just try to calculate that your one rep max on the first set goes up every week. And if you really want to get into it, try to make the second and third set uh, one rep max go up too, but that's less important because that first set is really the one where you have all your energy and are exerting um, the most amount of focus and intensity. If you did want to take it a step further, you could kind of calculate density, which would basically be like one rep max on every set and add those together and try to make it higher than the week before to induce progressive overload. But I like to keep things more simple. So I just track the very first, um, the very first set every week of these three or four exercises that I'm concerned on improving. And I think it's good psychologically to not have to worry about every single different lift in trying to increase it because while that's possible, it's not always going to be very pragmatic. And it's also just going to require a lot of calculation and kind of neuroticism. And so I like to approach things a little bit more intuitively and really just put all my stake into that one, that single first set and really get hyped up for that because it's, it's, it's fun mentally too, to just know that this is it. This is the big set that I'm trying to improve on. And you know, you're progressively overloading in that way. So you know that you're going to be gaining muscle and gaining size uh, without having to go too deep into the weeds on this kind of stuff. So dynamic, dynamic double progression is something I found very, very useful in my own training and we'll move clients onto as soon as they sort of get past the easier, but a little bit more fleeting gains that can come from double progression. The other way that I would encourage you to work out smarter to get big, and both of these things I think are underrated or at least underutilized by people that are normal gym goers, people I might call lifestyle bodybuilders, kind of like myself, where you definitely know more than the average person, or you at least are focused on optimizing things for yourself. And so you want to do what's smart and what makes sense. And I guess the only separation here would be if someone maybe just likes to go to the gym because they're more sort of about the way it feels, you know, they do workout classes or something like that, or they just do cardio, you know, I guess not everybody has so much of a focus first and foremost on physique. Although, like I've talked about before, I think that focusing on your physique is a great way to just attain health overall. So I would encourage most people to at least give it some credence because it also encourages you to encourages you to lift weights, having more muscle mass and bone density is good for longevity and overall health, but that's kind of a different rabbit hole. Um, so the people that are going in and lifting weights on a regular basis, most of the people that go and listen to this podcast are probably doing a lot of hypertrophy training, which if you're not familiar with that term basically means like the training you do in the 10 plus rep range. So building hypertrophy is building muscle size. And so I think people can get kind of caught up and lost in this because yes, hypertrophy training and gaining size are what is going to happen in this 10 plus rep range. But where it gets kind of complicated is I just don't think that that means you should ignore the lower rep ranges. Like I spend a lot of time in the four to six rep ranges. And this is kind of ignoring the fact that I always tend towards lower reps for more compound movements in the first place. So remember that context. So if it's the squat, deadlift, bench press, I don't do a lot of 10 plus reps with that. Uh, the high end of those rep ranges is usually closer to eight and other things that are more compound, but nothing is quite as compound as one of the movements that mimics either the squat, bench or deadlift. And I remember when I say mimics, that could be like for the deadlift, the RDL, the rack pull uh, for the squat, any sort of a front squat or goblet squat or hack squat, uh, the bench press. Similarly, if you're doing the incline press or 
any sort of a dumbbell press. This counts for shoulder presses too. So remember that these are all interrelated. And uh, when I talk about the squat bench and deadlift, think about it in that context. Uh, but where I was going with this is I think people get too attached to high rep range, low rep range. What's the best rep range for building muscle? One of the most useful things that I've ever heard, and I try to repeat this to people a lot, is that the best rep range for building muscle is not something that I think can be answered um, on a black and white basis because the best rep range for building muscle is going to be the one that someone hasn't really spent time in. So if someone has been doing lots of work in the five-ish rep range for most of their exercises, moving up to 10, 12, 15 is going to open up some new gains for them because it's going to make sure that their body changes and adjusts to this new stimulus. And similarly, if someone's done all their work in really high rep ranges, say 15 to 20, going down to doing some stuff in the five-ish rep range is going to make them gain size and gains because that's such a new and different stimulus. And so I've talked about the myth before of shocking the muscle. And I think that on a day-to-day -day basis, definitely the shocking the muscle thing is a myth. You can't just go and do different things every day and expect to confuse the muscle or whatever, which I know a lot of us have thought in the past, but something that you can sort of do to, I guess, in a way, shock or confuse your muscle is to just spend an extended period of time in a rep range that you're not used to so that your muscles have to readjust and grow and um, just form, I guess, more muscle for lack of a, for lack of a better term. Um, but this is the reason that I spend some time every year when I look at my training, there's some time spent in powerlifting and just doing really low, maybe even four, sometimes three, usually not any less than that, but um, sets of three or four or five or six in the squat bench and deadlift type movements, really focusing on lifting heavy weight uh, because doing that and gaining that strength, again, if you were to talk generally, if the 10 plus rep range is more for hypertrophy, the four to six rep range is more for overall strength. Uh, and you're going to gain more strength relative to just the muscle mass, even though I know it's kind of confusing because like I said, anytime you're getting strength, you are gaining muscle. But uh, back to the point here being, if you spend a little bit more time strictly focused on, I want to grow my overall bodily strength, then the more time that you spend in the 10 plus rep range and the more hypertrophy rep ranges, you're going to have more of a capacity to lift more. So to make it, I guess, more pragmatic, uh, these are going to be off the top of my head, but say that you're doing the uh, bench press and you work for a few months on that low, that four to six rep range. And then you go back after a number of months to the 10 plus rep range you were doing with the bench press and say you were doing 200 pounds for 10 reps pretty easily. You might go back and find that you can do 12 reps really easily, or maybe even you can do 225 or something like that for 12 reps. And as you do that, you're going to build that hypertrophy and you're going to have that ability that wasn't there before because you weren't able to lift that much weight before you built the strength, before you built that base level of strength in order to gain more hypertrophy. So it's like doing one before the other in order to maximize your capacity in the hypertrophy rep range. So that is the two things I wanted to discuss as far as working out smarter to get big. Two more things to talk about as far as working out smarter to save time. And the first one is something that I do with clients really frequently and that I implement on my own training really frequently. And that is just doing antagonist supersets. I think these are becoming more popular, but I don't know why they're not at this point, just, I guess, wildly popular because I think that they're so cool and so effective. And essentially what an antagonist superset is, is just doing a muscle group that is not related in between doing a compound lift. So what that might look like is doing calf raises in between sets of bench press 
or doing, let's say, lateral raises in between sets of squat, including some small isolation lift that you want to work on, but don't necessarily want to spend a ton of time on and just spending the rest period of a heavy compound doing that lift. So this can save a lot of time and make things more efficient. And since I am someone who's doing more full body type focus lately, like I've talked about before, uh, it all sort of makes sense and it all kind of lines up. The only thing that takes a little bit more time is if you're going to work, say, shoulders and legs, like with that lateral raises and squats example, and the same workout, you do have to warm up both parts, but you will be saving a lot of time from not having to go, okay, there's 10, 15 minutes on this exercise, there's 10, 15 minutes on this exercise, and then I move to this one, and then I move to this one. Supersets I don't think are great in general. If you're just going to talk about like two intensive exercises together, so say like the lat pull down and the cable row, yes, they're hitting different part of the backs, different parts of the back, but because they're both going to be pretty taxing on the whole back overall. You're going to be sacrificing a lot on that second lift, whichever one you decide to put second, and you're not going to be able to get as strong and gain as much muscle because you're so worn out during that second lift, which is not true if you use antagonist or totally separate muscle groups, like I said, with that squat lateral raise example, or just that calf and bench press example. I would encourage you, it's, it's not the worst thing, but I would encourage you not to do like two relatively compound movements together with this. So say like a cable row, and a bench press. A cable row is not quite as compound as like a deadlift or even like a row where you're standing up just bent over row. But because these are both pretty intensive on the entire body, you're not going to have as much ability to recover fully because they're just going to be more intensive as opposed to a lateral raise or a calf raise is such an isolation movement that it doesn't take a lot out of you overall. So antagonist supersets, I've also heard them called peripheral supersets or opposing supersets, but those are really huge as far as just saving time in the gym and maximizing being able to get the appropriate volume in, but also being able to do that in a timely manner and not just spend hours and hours in the gym. Uh, and then the second thing here is just really focusing on making the most out of your time in the gym by A, tracking three or four exercises like I, like I told you earlier in this podcast uh, encouraging three to four exercises that you're focused on progressively overloading and getting stronger, whether that be through double progression or dynamic double progression, or even if you find that for net for you right now, it's appropriate to focus on tempo form rest, whatever, maybe you have less equipment and weight available because you're working out at home. Um, but really focusing more on the intensity and your intention behind these lifts, uh, getting the form correct doing all this stuff. And this is the things, the sort of things I go over in my client handbook. I say that, yes, it's important that we gain on our lifts and in order to gain size and strength, but you want to be doing that in the appropriate form and you want to have the right intention of an exercise. So if you just think, for example, uh, the lat pull down is working my whole back. Well, yeah, to an extent, but you should really be feeling the lats and understand what the lats working means when you do the lat pull down, if you really want to maximize your gains, having this mind muscle connection and having this intentionality about the exercises you're doing, having this intentionality really opens you up to focus and improve. And you have to layer that with a real focus and intensity on going to that one or two reps in reserve and not just doing a certain number of reps, just because that's what this plan tells you to do, or that's what you did last week, focusing on, I want to get within one or two reps of my ultimate capacity with this lift right now, because that's how I'm going to make gains in the most efficient way. And that takes focus. And that really takes aggression to some extent in the gym. You can't just be moseying around, just not feeling it, talking to friends and whatever. That's not the worst thing. Being in the gym is better than not being in the gym, but to really maximize your time, if you want to have those three or four workouts a week, an hour or less, which typically 
uh, can still have you making gains, but is really going to require a lot of intention and focus, then you need to get over the sort of volume paradigm that some people are in, just doing more and more volume and really focus on intentionality and intensity of your lifting, really focusing on going to that one or two RIR again, and really just using some aggression and getting kind of pissed off and making sure that you're going hard enough in the gym. Because I, the other thing I love about this is that it kind of gives you that uh, gateway in your life to go to that other place and to get aggressive and get kind of angry and mean. And because I think that all people sort of have that side to them. And that's why I love the gym because I get to go and exercise that and get it out. And it doesn't kind of float around inside of me. I have an out for it in that way. So I hope that this was helpful. As I always say, reach out if anything was unclear, need help on anything. Um, but other than that, have a great rest of your week and just keep on killing it in your workouts. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. If you would, please take a minute out of your day to review and rate the podcast as well as subscribe. It would really help me out a lot. And if you're on Instagram, go ahead and follow me on there at jakeparker.fit and screenshot and tag me when you're listening to the show. I'll be sure to share it. And thank you personally on there.